Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muliwa Gawaza, and for today, we get into a conversation about uh, the state of cybersecurity um, in the world with probably one of the best-known names in that particular space, that is uh, Kaspersky. And uh, we're just going to be talking to uh, David M., who is a principal researcher, um, you know, over at uh, Kaspersky Sub about, uh, you know, some of... Uh, the insights that uh, they have uh, recently released. David, greetings to you today. Good morning, Madiba. Um, now, a good place for us to start. Um, I think earlier in this week, uh, the week that we are recording in, I actually sat in um, on a presentation that uh, David and uh, his team did uh, just around uh, what's going on in the world of uh, cybersecurity. And I remember he was uh, mentioning a number of, you know, interesting um, you know, aspects about the state of cybersecurity at the moment. But before we go too far, um, you know, I just thought David could give us a little bit of insight into Kaspersky and, you know, some of what the company does. As I said, it's probably one of uh, the best known names in, uh, in the space. I remember in the early 2000s when my family first got a PC, I remember one of the, you know, packages that came was um, and this is the the days of uh, antiviruses. <laughs> and I remember Kaspersky was, uh, you know, one of the programs that came on that computer to sort of show just how long uh, this firm has been around. So a little bit of insight into Kaspersky and the type of work that you and your team are doing, David. Sure, absolutely. Um, and we have about 5,000 uh, staff at the company and we're located uh, globally, we've got offices um, in various parts of the, the world. Um, about half of those are involved in R&D in some way. Um, so we're very kind of technically focused. And our mission, if you want to put it like that, is, is that we believe that everybody, right through from individual consumers, right through to businesses and anybody else, has the right really to use the internet, use technology safely, and without being disrupted or otherwise affected by um, malicious software and malicious activity. Um, so that really encompasses everything from making sure that consumers are safe, um, you know, right through to providing not only technology for businesses, but also uh, threat intelligence um, also. Um, and, you know, even in the areas of automotive and industrial um, cyber security as well, making sure that the technology is there for um, effectively keeping things uh, malware-free. So with that in mind then, uh, David, uh, like I said, I, I did sit in on uh, the presentation that uh, you guys gave us um, earlier in the week in Johannesburg. You're currently uh, joining us from London. And I'm very keen to get your sense at the moment, right, we tend to talk to a number of different types of subject matter experts. And with uh, economists in particular, we tend to ask the question of, you know, what do you think the state of the economy is? And I'm hoping that maybe I could ask you a similar question and ask, you know, um, you know, for you to tell us what is the state of uh, cybersecurity in 2023? Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I think 
one of the key things really is the sort of rapid um, growth in or development of digitization. Um, you know, in other words, various aspects of our lives are becoming uh, digital. And, and you would say these days, actually, that uh, technology and connectivity is pretty much woven into the fabric of our lives, you know, whether you're an individual um, uh, or whether you're a, an organization. And in fact, in a recent survey, um, we found that 78% of companies in South Africa um, feature a high level of digitization. Um, and, you know, this, you think really in terms of digital document workflow, IT training, automation or work processes, communication with clients and, and more. And, you know, one of the, the key things here is that um, increasingly companies are uh, providing mechanisms for people to work remotely as well. And this, of course, was massively um, influenced by the, the lockdowns, the various lockdowns associated with dealing with the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, but I think that's a feature that's that's here to uh, remain. I think one of the key things associated with that, of course, is that the more of our lives that become digital, the bigger the potential attack surface we offer to attackers. So they have greater means for uh, doing what they want to do, which is, you know, everything from conducting espionage right through to disruption, uh, theft of customer data and so on. One of the things I'm very interested to get your sense on, David, is uh, given what you've just described to us, do you think the way in which uh, threat actors are, uh, I guess, perpetrating cyber crimes, um, what has changed? Is it the type of crimes that have changed? And I ask type of crime simply because we tend to hear about the same set um, you know, of, 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 of attacks, of, you know, phishing emails, uh, social engineering, uh, DDoS attacks, denial of service, um, email compromise. I think there's a, there's a basket of typical ways in which, um, you know, uh, brute force intrusions, the, 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 the number of ways that we hear about. Have those things changed or has, is it more a matter now of, um, rather the ways in which people are, you know, coming at, uh, this, these same set of, uh, cyber crimes? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think, I mean, I guess one of the biggest shifts probably goes back to about 2003 or four, because that was a sort of watershed prior to that, from the late 80s, when PC malware began, it was largely focused on disruption, it, you would call it vandalism rather than um, anything related to making money or conducting espionage operations. And really from that point where we started to do our banking online, uh, we started to do web transactions. So prior to that, the web had been used as a showcase for companies, goods and services. After that, people were actually conducting transactions that way. And then layered on top of that, we had the whole thing with social media and so on as well. And so really within the space of just a few years, we moved from a threat landscape dominated by vandalism to one which was really aimed at making money. Um, and of course, you know, if you look at 
criminals have always wanted to focus on on making money. We've had people also wanting to cause disruption. Um, And then governments, of course, have always pursued their aims of trying to find out what potential adversaries are doing, maybe disrupting what they're doing, uh, you know, maybe kind of stealing intellectual property and so on. What's different now, of course, is that this is all cyber enabled. So it's it's all done in a digital way now, um, you know, rather than than the sort of offline mechanisms that happened before. And you know, you're right, you've highlighted some of these um key mechanisms used by attackers, you know, whether that's disruption or denial of service, phishing and social engineering generally is is huge and remains so. So I would say actually that the the tactics that they're using haven't necessarily changed, but there's been a huge expansion based on the way we're using technology, it's the way it's implemented. So we saw this, I, I would say, with the introduction of mobile devices um, earlier this century, where we went from a point where we were using them as telephones and to send SMS messages to them becoming really computers in our hand. And that, again, meant that we were doing all of the things on a mobile device that we've been doing on a desktop or laptop, and suddenly they became targets or potential targets. Um, We're going through a sort of wave now where this is happening with um, smart devices, Um, everything from wearable technology through to, you know, cars, which are really now computers on wheels, um, and CCTV cameras, routers, and so on, so that actually there's a whole new wave of computing that extends beyond what we think of as a computer, and we see them all around um, you know, the home, but also within business as well, these devices. And so that, that expansion, again, has given um, attackers uh, an opportunity to incorporate them into their their strategy as well. And I don't think it's that the means for compromising us have changed an awful lot. You know, we still see emails and other messages with links in them or attachments. We see uh, attackers exploiting vulnerabilities or loopholes or flaws in operating systems or applications or apps that we use. Um, We also see them, you know, trying to... um, spread also via removable media like USB keys. And we see social media being used as a a way of doing reconnaissance. Because if you want to send, you know, a basic phishing email to as many people as possible, that's one thing. It has to be fairly basic and it works. If you want to target a business, you're probably going to use spear phishing techniques where you do your reconnaissance on key people in the organization and you craft that message to look as credible as possible to increase the likelihood that somebody responds to it. So those mechanisms for for that initial compromise remain pretty much the same. What's different is they're having to develop then the, the, the software they use beyond that initial compromise. That in many ways has become more sophisticated. Um, and I, I would say also, It's interesting to note that when we look at most computer malware, it's designed to be as stealthy as possible. The last thing they want, the attackers, is for us to know that they're there. The one aspect that bucks that trend over the last 
15 years, I would say, is uh, ransomware, where it's very obvious, and it has to be obvious, because if you want to install something on a computer that encrypts the data, and then you want to extort a ransom from somebody to get that data back, it has to be noticeable. So that's the one sort of exception to the the general stealth approach. You know, what's interesting is the fact that Almost everything that you've just spoken about, I think we 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 established that just now is the fact that um, the tactics are still the same, but um, I guess the ways in which people then get um, to you and also uh, the number of ways that people can get to you. You spoke about the rise of the mobile device, the fact that you have this um, computer in your pocket all the time, whereas a couple of decades ago, interaction with computers was limited um you know to you being in front of a desktop uh for certain hours of the day means that you know threat actors can have access to you almost at any time of day and you know and can compromise a number of different things i think you spoke about bank accounts and you know all of that um information that's out there one of the interesting things that uh, came out of the the information um, that your team was giving out the other day was the fact that um, Africa seems to be a region that's being targeted a lot. And also at the same time, South Africa um, as a country is, you know, one of the places that is targeted, um, you know, quite a lot globally. And just keen to get your sense around why that is. Is it a money issue? Is it a lack of education issue? Is it uh, South Africans just not being careful? Like, what, what is what is going on? What's the opportunity uh, that the criminals are looking for here? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think... I said earlier, the more digital we are, the, the bigger the potential attack surface that the, the attackers can go after. Um, I think if we go back five, six, seven years, you would look at a threat landscape where, um, you know, perhaps African countries were much less targeted. Um, likewise, the Middle East, much less targeted by criminals and also by, um, in the case of Africa, certainly by what we call APTs or advanced persistent threats. These are the very, very complex, sophisticated attacks launched by nation state sponsored attackers to carry out espionage or disruption and so on. Um, I think obviously the increasing digitization of the continent really means that there are more plentiful opportunities for attackers. And so we've even seen, you know, these targeted attack campaigns of nation state sponsored groups incorporating the African continent as well. But but that's it's also true for, for criminal groups that you know that it, um, where where something is not done digitally, there is no opportunity for them. Um, and so the, the the greater the kind of cyber aspect of society generally, the more opportunity they've got to uh, to to target people. And I think it, the, the the numbers the, the growing numbers of have come on the back of that digitization. And when it comes to that digitization, I think one of the other reasons why I was interested in some of those stats is because I think there's a perception that uh, the continent is behind when it comes to, you know, certain technology, certain uses of technology. So when you see a high level of, um, of attack on the continent, doesn't that uh, maybe 
counteract or contradict a little bit you know to say that perhaps there's a there's more digital activity happening on the continent than what people would typically think is actually going on yeah i think so and and increasingly so of course because you know th- this is this continues to to develop and increase so you know i think the the, the attackers certainly recognize that that's the case um i think also you know, given that this digitization has come later than it than let's say in Europe or North America, um, I think individuals and companies alike have had less uh, opportunity, less less history, if you like, of dealing with the potential threats, um, and so that also provides uh, opportunities because what we see is a digital infrastructure that allows for. Um, cyber attacks, but not necessarily the level of of expertise or, or awareness um, among staff in a company or individual consumers. Um, you know, they're less tech savvy, less aware of what the potential risks and dangers are. You are joining us from London uh, for today's call, um, David, and I wanted to maybe get a um your perspective because you are in another part of the world but you have you know quite good insight on what's going on on the continent and in south africa how do you i guess compare and contrast maybe the threat landscape in a place like the uk versus a country like south africa yeah i mean that's that's a good question i mean the fact that we're we're on this call and, and we're operating digitally tells you that this is a small world now and you know whereas we, we have areas different geopolitical areas for attackers it's one system one one infrastructure really and so you can have somebody in one part of the globe attacking somebody in another part of the globe and and the technology allows that quite easily they don't have to be physically situated in a in a particular country or continent in order to carry out an attack on another continent um if we take you know online threats and i'm I'm thinking here in terms of this year so far we're almost you know over um online threats those things which are coming at us via the web and, and and over the internet generally um then south africa would be uh you know we would see about 33 percent of um of a, of attacks so, or, or attacks on about 33% of the the computers that we protect so i'm talking here about potential attacks we detect them with our software and we block them and we've seen that on about a third of the computers that we protect in south africa if we were to compare that let's say with um the uk or the us then probably we'd be looking at about 27 28% over that same time period um, and and the local threats, you know, those things would come by CD or USB or over a local network would be slightly smaller, you know, just under 30 percent. Um, if we were to look then at, um, you know, if if that's slightly uh, perhaps greater um, incident of attacks in South Africa compared to the US or um, or the UK, then what would where would have a sort of higher instance if we look sort of further up that league table so to speak then to the sort of top five we would be looking at numbers sort of around about 43 44 percent so it sort of gives you an idea of, of roughly where um 
where the country is situated. Um, what's also interesting, specifically with regards to what we said about digitization, is that if we look at the list of countries with resources which host malicious software, so in other words, these are the resources being used by attackers as a platform for launching their attacks, then you would find South Africa in 19th place on that list. So it's not right up there, but nevertheless, it's figuring in that list of uh, parts of the world where attackers can realistically use resources. And of course, they need stable resources. They need uptime um, in order to, to make that viable for them. But certainly South Africa is, is one country where that, that's figuring now. Um, and actually, if we go on to talk about industrial threats, you know, these things which target what are known as industrial control systems, the things used in automated production systems for energy, car manufacture, or whatever it is, then actually Africa generally is the most attacked region in the world um, at about 40%. But South Africa is slightly lower than that at 30, just over 30%. Um, so that, that sort of gives you a picture of, of, of really where South Africa sits vis-a-vis -vis perhaps other parts of the globe. Um, and that's one of, you know, maybe at some levels more attacked, um, but, um, but, you know, not a million miles away from, from what we're seeing in other parts of the world. We can definitely say that, um, you know, the landscape has evolved over time and, uh, perhaps one of the reasons why uh, it, it's always great talking to different uh, cybersecurity experts is the different ways in which they are seeing uh, the, the the what you call this the threat landscape. And when it comes to, I guess where we are going, um, one of the things that I'm keen to get some insights on is 2023. I think can be characterized literally as the year of AI, not because AI was new, but simply because artificial intelligence um, became mainstream. Uh, a lot of technology companies had been doing a lot with uh, AI already, uh, but now we have this huge consumer wave when it comes to the use of AI. Um, in your view, is do you see AI as a, as a threat? Um, you know, or as an opportunity. Right. I mean, I think it's, as with many things, it's both, um, you know, and we saw this, for example, with the cloud, you know, use of the cloud, great, great opportunities. You know, as individuals, we, we can have our phones backed up to the cloud. Um, and that's really, really great. You know, we can access the data from anywhere. Companies are saying the downside potentially is, if those systems in the cloud are not configured properly, um, uh, then they can be targeted and, and people get access to our stuff or business stuff as well. I think the similar approach really with AI, which yes, it does offer um, huge benefits um, in terms of being able to um, you know, deal or, or work through, handle numbers, large volumes of data, uh, you know, more efficiently than, than humans can do it for sure. Um, but it also offers opportunities for attackers. Um, it's interesting, I think, that, that there was sort of speculation about whether 
you know, the emergence of things like chat GPT would suddenly mean that we could get, um, you know, more or different uh, sophisticated malware being produced effectively by AI. We haven't really seen that. I mean, the, the only beginnings of that that we've seen are very kind of crude, basic type malware. I think for attackers, the the focus is is elsewhere. And I think one of the things we're seeing coming down the line is the use of AI for sharpening up or developing those spear phishing um, attacks, you know, where they're going after particular targets within the company they want to, to, to target generally. Um, and, and, you know, that, as individuals, we could probably look to see less spelling mistakes, less grammar mistakes in, in phishing emails. Um, in terms of targeted phishing campaigns, then the attackers are going to be using AI, A, to do reconnaissance, so, you know, they will be looking through social media posts. They'll be looking at articles that maybe people are publishing. They'll be looking at what people are saying generally um, out there on the Internet and using processing that information with our AI in order to sharpen up their attacks, make them more credible. Um, and you're right, this has really come off the back of not AI, because that's been with us for a while, but the, the sort of widespread use of, of AI. It's become a, a sort of mainstream thing. It, it's something which is now in the public perception, not just something which um, people within the industry are, are focusing on. So I think I think certainly we will we will see that. We'll see it used to craft, uh, to make it easier for attackers to mimic the style of somebody within an organization in order to trick somebody into doing something. So it becomes part of this social engineering um, initiative, um, and we'll also see it used to process the data that they are stealing or that they are gathering in order to target companies. I think this is where we can end off, uh, David, um, bringing everything together that we've spoken about today, um, look, uh, looking at uh, the threat landscape, looking at the evolution of attacks, um, you know, looking at, uh, I guess, the different country comparisons and regional comparisons that we can have, and also the rise of AI. Because you have such a big base of uh, corporate clients and businesses that uh, you are protecting in terms of cyber defense right now, if someone was to come and say, David, what is the one thing that uh, businesses you know, should, um, as a starting point, because my understanding of cybersecurity is that you have to approach it from multiple angles, but a good starting point you know, to help to start to secure um, an organization's digital environment, what would you say that is? Well, I think on the one hand, you know, I would, I would highlight two things. The first would be about making sure that devices are protected. And on the one hand, you know, that is using technology to, to block malware. Um, on the other hand, it's making sure those systems are kept up to date because any system that isn't up to date provides a, a gap in the fence that attackers can climb through. The second thing I, I would point out is just the fact that, um, you know, while we're looking to defend computer resources, businesses really must not forget individuals because, you know, right through from the very basic opportunistic cybercrime, which is looking for 
bank information or passwords and login information and account details right through to nation state sponsored attacks the first point of compromise very often is tricking an individual into doing something that jeopardizes corporate security so finding imaginative ways to patch humans is really important because if people don't understand the techniques that attackers are using um then you know they're not going to be resilient we need to make people as resilient as the computer resources themselves and this is something which is it, it needs a sort of top-down approach so there has to be sort of buy-in from the board level to do this and it's an ongoing process you know it's like painting a garden fence you can't just do it once and leave it forever you know at some point in the future you're going to have to redo it to keep the weather out so i think it's it's about um you know maybe stepping outside the the sort of technology um bubble if you like in order to reach people who are technical but need to understand at a, at a basic level what they can do or what they can avoid doing um to to keep their company safe and keep themselves safe as consumers too so that's where we end off uh, today's discussion it has really been a great one um you know one of the big things that um we spoke about um is the fact that uh, the threat landscape has changed but also ending off now uh, talking about some of the things uh, that businesses uh, need to do in order to be able to protect their environments and uh, you know david actually gives um, a lot of advice and you know some of the points that he raises includes uh, the fact that as a business you need to just make sure that your devices um as a starting point you know are are secured um simply because you know these are the things that people are interacting with and these are the things uh that threat actors are making sure that they are attacking but at the same time as important as cybersecurity is um he is saying that um you know to really drive um proper implementation you do need a top down approach and by top down approach is simply recognizing the fact that um there needs to be buy in at least from board level going down to make sure that uh, it's a culture that's inculcated from the top of the organization uh, all the way right through interesting to me is the fact that um you know you do see these different um i guess i'm going to call it regional disparities in the way that uh you know people are attacking and it does make you know certain sense you know and i think about it from a behavior point of view because yeah uh, one of the things that has occurred to me personally is the fact that uh, the 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 cyber criminals do appear you know to be quite attuned yeah to the behavior of people uh, more than anything else so if they can identify that perhaps in um Africa for example the mobile device is the primary way in which people are accessing the internet and that's the behavior that they're targeting and then in other regions maybe it's laptops tablets uh fridges smart TVs you know and uh the type of culture uh especially when you think about the spear phishing examples that David gave uh gave earlier on where you sit and you study an organization uh an individual and executive how they communicate and you you know tailor your attacks around that it's actually quite incredible and um there's a part of me that then wonders should we be more afraid of the technology or the people that are studying 
um, you know, these organizations and simply using uh, the technology as a way, um, as a means to an end. So it is an interesting world and hopefully we get to catch up with David another time uh, just to see how things would have evolved and developed over time. So David, uh, that's been it. Thank you so much. That was us. We were talking to David M., who is a principal researcher over at uh, Kaspersky. David, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Madiwa. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.